let's uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much uh, for being the God that you are, for having such an awesome, powerful name. Uh, we cannot say thank you enough for the for the opportunities that your blessings and your grace and your mercy give to us. Father, we ask you to bless us this morning as we study. Father, help us to learn the things that you need us to learn. Help us to uh, be vigilant about applying them to our lives. Give us strength and courage, Father, to be people different than, than what we were before, different than what the world is like. Help us to remember that we may be the example that we need to, that we're going to be the example one way or another. Help us to be a good example to those around us to our families first and to those that we that we know and we come in contact with. Father, bless us as we worship this morning. Uh, we ask that our worship would be pleasing to you, and where it is not, that you will take care of that and fix that, Father, and help us to get that better. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what that means to us, that the opportunity that we have to be your children because of what he did on the cross is, is why we're here this morning. And we ask your blessings upon us as we move forward today as we move into the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, like I said, we're going to be in First Peter chapter 3 if you want to turn over there. Uh, Nick Morgan came up to me Sunday morning, and last Sunday, and said that we did not, uh, that, that he said, I don't remember exactly how it went, but he said, submission is not subjection. They're I think not synonymous. That, that they're not synonymous, okay? And, and in this text, it talks about wives being submission. doesn't mean you're subjugated. doesn't mean you're a slave. doesn't mean... That you ha that anybody has that right to put you in bondage. That's not what it means. Okay, that's the ideal we have in many instances, but that's not what that word means. That word means in, in that text in, in chapter chapter three, it says that that you that women are to arrange themselves under the oversight of a husband. Okay, and where that husband is not uh, in in a in a relationship with God. Says you're you're the way you live can change that. All right. So, and I said we haven't dealt with husbands. I'm not going to get into. We're going to deal with that. All right. We're going to you you guys. You're in the crosshairs. I'm going to get you today, man. All right. You know. I mean, there is there is. You can't ask a woman to be in submission if you're not who you're supposed to be. And if you don't have one, and you're looking for one. Look for one that you can arrange yourself under. Look for a husband or a, a, a mate that is going to be that kind of person that will help lead you, not drag you. Will help lead you to where you need to be, not you have to go by yourself. Or you have to lead yourself there. All right? You know, if, we, if you don't have these kinds of principles in, in life, that's why relationships are falling apart. That's why when I ask you that question, how many of you believe that, that there are relationships out there, most of our relationships out there, are in the tank? I mean, if they weren't, then you wouldn't have a divorce rate that's up over 50% today in our culture today. Divorce rates are, are, are 50 60%. Some places even higher than that. So, you know, if the relationships were great, if they were good, if the people were doing what they're supposed to be doing, if wives and husbands were doing what they're supposed to be doing, you wouldn't have that problem, would you? Stands to reason. If we, if we put it into play the way God says to do it, you're not going to have those relationship problems like, like we see in our culture today. And so our responsibility, I think, is to show them something different. If we look just like they do, then what's the, what's the point? There's, if there's no alternative, then many people, and I've talked to many of them, they say, well, I thought this is the way it was supposed to be. I thought it was always like that. I thought everybody's family's like this. 
I've heard that before from, from young people that have been molested. I've heard that. I thought all families dealt with this. No, they didn't. You know, but that's what, what the molester made them believe. So, you know, when you, we look at this, and I'm going to read back through these, first, these, these five verses that we did last week. I'm going to look back at them. And, I know if, and, and guys, I know I'm not going to spend all morning on this. We're going to get to you this morning so you'll feel left out. You know, last week we dealt with the wives. This week we're going to deal with both of them. So let's look at chapter 3, and we're going to, we're going to start in verse 1. We'll read five verses, all right? Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that, that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, I want to ask you a question before I go on. All right? uh, how, can, how can you ladies, how, how do you believe that you can cultivate this kind of, this kind of inner beauty? Because this is of great worth in God's sight. To have a, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. How do you how do you cultivate that? How do you navigate through that and create that? How do you how do you grow that in your life? Tell me how you think you do that, lady. Come on, I got some of you ladies that'll talk. Tell me. What do you think? Self-confidence. Huh? Self-confidence. By having self-confidence? Okay. Anybody else? How do you think you cultivate? How do you, how do you cultivate? That kind of, because in our culture today, let me tell you why. In our culture today, how many of you watched TV yesterday? How many of you watched TV yesterday? I don't care if you watched a football game. I don't care if you watched anything. You watch TV. So at some point, how many of you watched commercials? Most of the commercials, when they're designed towards women, what are they? You know, you can try this on your face, or you can wear this kind of clothes, or if you look this way, or if you walk that way, or if you do this, or you do that, wear your hair like this. You know, this hair product or that hair product, everything's going to be what? It's going to be wonderful and beautiful. Right? And that was it. You know, here Peter's not saying don't do that stuff. He says don't depend on that. Because it says, look, look, at, look back at this verse. He said, verse 4, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You understand what happens to us guys? You know, as you get older, you understand what happens? Everything, gravity takes over. Right? I don't care how, I mean, you can do everything you can do, all right? But at some point, it's going to catch up with you. At some point, things that were where they were what before, they're not going to be where they were before. They're just not. But that's, that's what happens with age. We get older and things get different. You know, skin turn. I used to watch my grandfather, and I used to see these spots on him all the time, you know, the, the, and I thought, you know, man. I hope I don't, I don't ever have those. I was at Walmart with George the other day getting a case of water from up here, and I happened to nick my arm on the edge of the basket and rip my skin open. Man, I, my skin used to be tough. Man, I could stay outside all day long, not get sunburned. My skin was tough. Now, it's like tissue paper. You know why? Because I got old. Got old. The unfading beauty. This is a beauty that doesn't fade away. Because I promise you, beauty's going to fade away. If you're looking at outward beauty, it's going to fade away at some point. All right? Never... Ne you, now I'm not going to go. Ooh, I almost got myself in trouble. Uh, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And I asked, my question was, how do you cultivate this inner beauty? What do you do? 
because this is not beauty. You can't go to the beauty parlor and get this. All right? You can't go to the hairdresser to get this. This is different. You can go get all that outward adornments and stuff. You can go to you can go to Dillard's or wherever, and you can buy clothes and fancy jewelry. You can make yourself look knock out, man. You can. All right? But you can't develop this there. Where do you, where do you, how do you develop this? You have to seek God through prayer. You have to seek God. Where does that self-confidence that Zell's talking about? Seeking God. Have to put God in your life. Have to put, make sure that God is primary in your life. Then you can pull this stuff off. Well, how else? How else do you, do you, do you cultivate it? The way you treat other people and the way you speak. Okay, so then, so, like I prayed was, that we, that we can navigate applying this in our lives. As an example, people see, people watch you all the time. And they, it's how you act and how you speak, how you treat other people. I have seen, and so have you, I've seen a lot of beautiful women that were ugly on the inside. Just ugly on the inside. You know, man, when I was in high school, man, you think bullying, bullying, stuff. man, that was going on when I was in school, man. That was... You know, maybe not as predominant. We didn't. You had an internet where they could attack you on, you know, through your phone. But you know, and I saw some. There were we had. I mean, they was man. They was cute, pretty girls. And you get to know them. Going, good grief! I don't want to be nowhere near this person. <laughs> this person, man, no, because that beauty doesn't translate inside just because it's beautiful on the outside. The that. He said, look for that unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And remember I said last week, you know, a, su a submissive wife is not a nag. Nag, 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 all the time, nag, 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 all the time. You know, can't be like that, ladies. Just every once in a while. Huh? Just every once in a while. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I knew, you know, I want people online to know we have fun in here. You know, hopefully when we get these new cameras, they'll be able to see see more, more, than, more of y'all than just these three people. It's just a few people. That's all they can see. But at some point, we're going to be able to see, we'll be able to see everybody. You know, now, I want, I want to look at verse 5. All right? No. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Okay, got it? Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Okay? Sound like a pretty impressive woman, doesn't it? What do we know about Sarah? What do we know about her? Not from here, but just what, what do you know? What do you remember about her? She hey? wasn't very patient in waiting for God's promise. She wasn't very patient. Of course, I guess at 90 years old and haven't had a child, I guess might be impatient too. Times are times clicking. She laughed. She laughed at God. Okay. What else do you know about her? She was married to Abraham. Right? What else do you know about her? She, she trusted her husband. Huh? She trusted her husband. She trusted her husband? She was attractive. She was, no, she was gorgeous. It doesn't say she was just attractive. She was gorgeous. All right? I want to take you to a text. All right? Remember what this text, what does this text just say? She says, it says that she, she obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. I want to take you to a couple of things. Look at Genesis chapter 3. We'll be right back here, but Genesis chapter 3. I mean, Genesis, my mistake. Genesis chapter 12. My mistake. Okay. Everybody got it? Genesis chapter 12. First book in the Bible. Look at chapter verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to, this is before he got his name changed to Abraham. 
Her name is Sarai here. Before her name, she changed to Sarah. Went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Okay? When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Okay? Well, what do you think happens? He did that. She does that. Yeah. All right. Now, 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 go to now to go, go to chapter twenty. Look at verse one. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream, and God fixed it. What? Two times. Two times. This guy who she obeys and calls her Lord pimped her out. He said, You say that I'm your sister, that you're my sister. They take her, okay, to be their, the, the wife. And first off, they said, if they see that you're so beautiful, tell them you're my sister so they won't kill me. Wait a minute. What did God tell him when he called him? What did he tell him? You remember what he told Abraham? He said, I'm going to make of you what? A great nation. And through your seed, all nations are going to be blessed. Did he not tell him that? He said, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They don't have any children. They don't have no children here. Okay. And so he goes there. Why did he forget what God said? He was scared. He was scared? He was scared because they weren't, uh, those people weren't people of God. But wait a minute. What did God told him? <clears throat> what, did, what are you afraid of, guys? What has God told us? If I live faithful unto death, what does he say? I'll give you a crown of life. What are you afraid of? You know, I told, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, we've had that conversation. Hey, I'm good. Something happens, I'm good. Okay, I'm good, because I know what's going to happen. I'm not afraid of this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to be gone from here. You know, you guys are on your own. Hopefully I've left, when I go, hopefully I've left enough in my wake that people are going to be able to sustain themselves. You know, I think I have, I hope I have. But, you know, what is he afraid of? You know, Margarita said he's afraid. Did not God call him? Didn't call his family. He said, I want you to take up your whole family. I want you to go. You and Sarah, I want you to go. I'm going to show you where. You know where he takes them? You know where he takes them? Where does he take He takes them to the promised land. That they're going to get, a thousand years later, they're going to get. He takes them He takes them there. He said, I'm going to give you this land. This, this, where you, your feet are set, I'm going to give you this land. What is he afraid of? Why is he, why is he telling his wife to lie so that there's a chance she's going to have to go? You know, it says here, Finley, Takes her. Take now. I don't. Think, I don't believe that he had relations with her. I don't believe. But I believe his intent was, okay. And Abraham seemed like he didn't care. All he cared about was that what's going to happen to me. Am I going to be okay? What about his wife? Now go back over to First Peter chapter three. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters. If you do what is right, do not give way to fear. 
You think she was afraid to go into the go into Egypt, into Egypt, and have the Egyptians maul all over her? You think that made her afraid? What about Abimelech? You think you think that her husband not standing up for her? You think that caused could cause chaos in the house? You know what we see happens later on when she doesn't have any children. You know what she does? You know, she gives him she gives him her servant to have relations with, so she can have so he can have children. Abraham's winning all the way around here. Isn't he? Not really. Because it causes conflict. Because when the son comes along that God did promise them, what happens? There's conflict now between these two boys. Conflict that we're still dealing with today. Aren't we? You know who they became? The Arabs. We're still dealing with it today. The sons of Ishmael. The descendants of Ishmael. You know, so... Anyway, when you look at this and say, well, I've got it really bad. Really? Really? What about Sarah? How bad? And she said, he is my Lord. I obey him. Yes, she laughed. She did when, she, when she's 90 years old and God says, the angel comes and says, she's going to be with a child. Next, this time next year, you're going to have a, child, have a son. You know, of course she left. She's 90 years old. He's 100. You know, first off, who wants to raise a teenager at 113? <laughs> I wouldn't want to raise a teenager at, at 35. You know, I, the prospect you guys have, I don't even want, I'm glad I'm done. You know, I don't laugh, but you know, I go, when I leave here sometimes, because I get to go home alone. But you know, I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong, I love being a father, I love being, I love being a parent, I love raising them, but man, I look back now, I said, man, I'm glad it's over. Right, Jim and I talked about it the other day. Man, who I'm glad. But you know, but here, you know, she has she has so much negativity, and yet what does she do? He's my Lord, and I'm going to obey him. Ladies, do you need to put a guy in your life that you can do that with? Do you think maybe the hunt maybe needs to keep going? Maybe you need to keep looking. Look for one that you can that you can bet your life on. And not just say, you know what? And, you know, it is still not always going to be good. perfect. It won't. Because what, what one of these guys in here is perfect? Not one of us. They ain't out, out there. But are they, can we grow into that? You have, can you find someone with a heart that will grow? They may not always lose their, they might not lose all of in, everything that's, that's negative. But you know, you can you can choose to be a woman that has looked at this and said, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gauge who I am. And I think that's part of cultivating this inner beauty. I am going to look at God and my relationship with him and not anything else. And I'm gonna be the best I can be. And I think that goes a great way, a great distance in cultivating that kind of mindset. You know, you bring a negative mindset and you say every time I go in there, oh Lord, I gotta go back in here again. Then yet guess what? Guess what? It's not gonna go well, probably. It's going to probably be a negative situation. All right. Now. We have to consider the difference in society. That, uh, absolutely. It makes you understand. Sure. Absolutely. Because they were all authoritative. Absolutely. Doesn't mean the guys were any. Were, some of them were snakes. You know, David even. Dave, David's not a good father. No. You know, by any stretch. You go read about it. David's not a good father. not a good husband. <clears throat> You know, but God says he's a man after my own heart. So God must see us different. Maybe 
getting into the Word and getting close to God, maybe, we figure out what God's looking at. And maybe we need to start looking for the same thing. You think? Okay, guys, your turn. Look at verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, consider and be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay? What does he say here, guys? Guys, what did he say? What are you supposed to do? Come on, guys. Be nice to her. Be nice to her. Do you think that's what he's saying, be nice to her? Come on, guys. What do you think it means to be considerate? Well, you accept them as your equal. Okay. Because in many ways they are. You know, it took me a long time. What I figured out is, y'all see George as my wife. That's, that's only the here and now relationship. That's my sister. That's my sister. That is a relationship that's never going away. Husband and wife things will go away. That's only for here. Jesus said, there is no marriage given in marriage in heaven. Been there that. We need that here. Because, why? Because God looked at Adam and said what? It is not good that he's alone. So he made him help me. Didn't need that. Doesn't, don't need that. So she's my sister. That relationship never going to go away. Okay? That's not my daughter-in-law. It's my sister. She'll always be my sister. She's not going to always be my daughter-in-law. She'll always be my sister. Okay? That, that's back to this. So how, else, how is us guys, how are we supposed to look at them? If I look at them as you're my wife and you need to do what I tell you, guess what? Your sister's not going to be happy in her life. It's just not going to happen. You have to look and say, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to do this? I want to I take you to another text. Same one I took you ladies to. I'm going to take you guys to Ephesians chapter 5. Huh? If I have a question if you don't mind. Absolutely. So take that last like sentence that you said, mm -hmm. like how your sister's gonna be miserable like the whole life is basically what you said. What if a female is used to that her entire life? Because I've been looking over here on uh here too and seeing the submission to authority. What if there's a female that has a problem with submission and has no idea how to because her whole life has been I, I tell you what let's do, okay? Let's, uh, you come Friday night, okay. all right, and we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that okay. on Friday night, okay? You know, because what it means, what the word actually means is hypotasso, and it means to arrange yourself under. And it doesn't mean to be in subjection like Vic said. That, that, that's not what the word said. That's other words for that. Okay. This is a, a submission. I am going to, I'm going to follow behind the leadership of my husband. That's why it's so important for guys to, to buy into what I'm fixing to tell them here, all right? But I'm going to arrange myself underneath. That's where we talked about last week, and I, I made the mention of Carmen. You know, Carmen, first responsibility always in her life was her, was her God. Always. But she was, a, she was a, a, a dutiful wife to her husband. It, it, you know, I don't know if it accomplished what the Scripture said. It was, I don't know that because I, I didn't know him that well. But I, what I do know is, is that she was the... the she, you could put her picture here in this text. For the kind of wife that this that verse in chapter three says to be, I I, I talked to her numerous times about about how difficult her life was, but she said I'm going to do this because this is what God tells me to do, and she was the most loving, most kind, and I think it changed his life. I think it. I, you knew him better than I did. It did change his life, didn't it? Absolutely. And it was because of her and the way she lived their life, because she was willing to be in submission. Not when it came to when he's going to say you can't go to church, and he said no, 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 you don't understand. I'm going to church. 
And then finally said, okay, all right, you know, I'll give you that. When he wanted her to do what was not appropriate, she wasn't going to do that. She wasn't going to go against God. But she wasn't going to, she was, she always let him know that God was first. Something that I think that we don't have a lot in our relationship today is I wanted my family always to know that God was first. I love my family. My wife needed to know that she was next. And my boys needed to know when it came to a, de a decision or a fight between them and her, they were going to lose every time. They'd lose every time. No, no matter what, they were going to lose. She was always, I was always going to put her first above them. You know, I hope I did that. I, I hope it taught them, and I hope that's what I did. Now, of course, you know, we're human beings, and we make mistakes and all that stuff. You know, and my, thankfully, I had a wife that was willing to straighten me out when I didn't get it right. You know, she, she would take me off to the side and straighten me out. So. But that's what I wanted. That's what I, I, that's the kind. That was a, a woman that was in submission to God. Okay, she had arranged herself underneath God, and then she would allow me to be the leader in the home. As long as long as I she did as long as I was leading her in the right direction. Otherwise, she was going to lead herself. Okay, that's kind of what it. We'll talk about it Friday night. Okay, all right. Uh, now turn to chapter five. Got it? All right. Now we read this last week. I read twenty one through 24 last week for you ladies, right? I'm not going to read it again. Y'all go back and read it. Now we're going to look at verse 25, all right? 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, you know, like this is why I said we may be here for a bit, because I can't just go to... to the first Peter three, we gotta we gotta this text. What did he tell you guys? How are you supposed to love her? Does does he tell you to love her only when she's perfect? Love her only when she gets up and she's doctored herself up and she looks good? Is, is she do you supposed to love her only when she it falls in line with everything you tell her? Is that what she said to do? Because if that's the case, then half the time, ninety percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, she's don't gonna love us. Just that's just what it is. Because we're not going to always get do what we're supposed to do. And he loves us anyway. He loves us in spite of ourselves. So what does he tell us as husbands to do? Yell, love your wife like Christ loved the church. What was Christ willing to do for the church? He died for her. You willing to die for your, for your lady? You willing to die for her? Have you decided that I will die for my wife? Or I'm going to look for a woman that, will, that I can be partners with and I'll be willing to die for? Is that what you have? I remember when it, when it became obvious to me. That if it came if it came a choice between me and her, I would take the bullet. And and I and it was a it was like an epiphany because I'd never thought of it before. I'd read all this and read, but then it, I, I said, "Oh my gosh, I'd really do that." You know, where'd that come from? You know, and I, and I, to this day, you know, if I could change if I could have changed places with her three months ago, I changed places with her in a minute. Changed places with her in a minute. Not that I could do it any better than she's done it. But that I could, that I did, would not want her to go through it, and I would go through it for her. That's what Jesus said. Just look at what it says again. He said, "He said, uh, husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the Word, and presented her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, without blemish, but holy and blameless." Does this look like that inner beauty? Does it look like it? I purposely didn't say anything while ago. You know, ladies, you know what's going to help you to get there? What's going to cultivate that? He is. He is. 
If you're not doing that in your wife's life, if that's not what you're doing, if you're not helping her to create that unfading beauty, then you're a miss. And you need to go to God and say, God, please help me to fix this. If you're not trying to, to lift her up internally, spiritually, that means you've got to be as spiritual as you can possibly be. That means you've got to be the, the leader when it comes to leading her in the truth. You've got to know the book as well or better than she does. You better, because you're the lead. And here he says, he says, what did Jesus do? He presents her, he presents her without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Does this look like that unfading beauty? Not the wrinkles on the outside, but the lack of wrinkles on the inside. Guys, you know, got a job to do here. Got a job to do. Your job is, is to make sure that you are cultivating that relationship with God in her life so that she can pull off this, this unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit in her life. That's what it means to be considerate and be sympathetic. So I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say, you know what? You know what, lady? Man, I'm going to do everything I can do in your life to make you everything God expects you to be. I'm going to do that. I'm going to call that as my mission in my life. And if that's the only mission you accomplish, then you've been a good man. You've been a good man. Because that will translate over to your daughters. And you know what else? Your sons will see that. Your sons will see that. One day, they'll be men who are striving to do that. But if they see you picking and nipping and, and swiping at her, guess what they're going to become? You know, we, we, I, I saw a study one time of, uh, of uh, domestic abuse in homes in a Christian church. I don't remember exactly what the percentage was, but the percentage was that if you have, if you have young boys in a home and they watch their father hit their mother, you know what they'll do? At some point, they'll end up hitting their wife. You know, it doesn't happen all the time. I forgot what the percentage was, but it's a, it's a whole lot higher than if they if they never saw it. Doesn't mean they won't won't be an abuser, but if they see it in the home, you know the the most the most predominant influence in a child's life is a same sex parent. So the same the most predominant is you and your son and her and her daughter. Doesn't mean you're not going to be an influence in your daughter's life. But the most predominant influence in those little boys' lives is going to be you. And the other men in their life, me, their, their uncles. But you're going to be the one because they're going to see you in the home. They're going to see you behind closed doors when nobody's watching and nobody's going to talk about it. Nobody's going to say what you said, what you said to her that they overheard, even behind closed doors. When you call her a name and you said it and you're in the heat of anger, them little boys are going to hear that. And guess what? They hear it enough, what do you think they're going to do? That's not what this is. That's not what that's not what this is telling the Christian men to be. It says to love. You think Christ has anything derogatory about you? You think he goes before the Father and says, "Man, that's sorry," and, and fills it in with cuss words? You think that that's what he does? Do you really? He loved us so much he died for us. Do you really think he would denigrate us to the Father? I don't think that. Not at all. I don't believe that at all. So we can't do it. Now listen, to what else he said? I told you. I said, I don't care if it takes six weeks. You know, I'll, I'll climb on you guys again next week. That's what it takes. L listen to what else he said. He said, uh, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. How in the world? You know, and I asked, I asked a guy this one time. I said, do you want me smacking on you? Would you really, you know, if I was, if I was a, a, a you know, 
a lot younger and I snacked on you. You really want me doing that to you? Then, then you, it's obvious your wife doesn't want you snacking on her. Couldn't get it through his head. He said, she's my wife and she needs to do what I tell her. I saw it a lot in the jail. I saw a lot of it. I saw guys in the jail many times that were in there for domestic, domestic violence. They, they, you know, you know, I saw, I was, I was in this foyer one day and, and a girl walked in and, uh, and I knew her, you know, you know she'd been going here and, uh, and she, and she showed me pictures of where her, where her husband had beat the garbage. I mean, beat her. I mean, she was, she was beat up. You know, you really think Jesus would do that to you? You think that? Ladies, guys, think you do that? Then he says, husbands, then in the same way, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He said, he said, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ did the church. We are all members of his body. You know, I think, I think sometimes you see in our culture today where people do hate themselves. Okay? But I've never ran across someone who hated themselves or that said they hated themselves that didn't eat and drink and didn't take care of that part of the function of their body. What he's talking about is he said, if you hate yourself, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna beat yourself up over over the, he said, No. He said, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ did the church, for we are all members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. And, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. What do you think it means to become one flesh? Tell me what you think that means. <laughs> to become one spirit. To become one spirit. One flesh will never be the same flesh as here. Okay. It's talking attitude. Okay. This... This topic is just, it's amazing, because it's like, we've been talking about it all week, as far as all this stuff goes, and part of the thing about two becoming one flesh is that there's an order that God has placed in in our households, and unfortunately a large part of the problems in our households today is that two do not become one flesh. That's exactly right. Uh, Some couples get married and they still have two different bank accounts. They still have, you know... I want to do this and I want to do that. There's not a leader in the household. Yeah. You remember what I told y'all last week? There are four things that I talked to couples when I counsel with. Four things that if you did, if you do all four of these things, the better, that's better than ninety percent chance to make it. If you get a handle on these four things, you remember what they were? What was one of them? Religion. Huh? Religion. Religion. You got to get a handle on. You got to get on the same page when it comes to religion. If you don't, if you don't. If one of you thinks one way, one of you thinks another way, and you don't come to some kind of mutual understanding, there's there's couples that when they get married, once you know goes to one church, yep. one goes to another church, and then how's that supposed to? Work? How do they become? How do you become one flesh that way? How do you become one belief that way? When one place has one belief, another place has another. So on religion, what's another one? How are you going to raise your kids? If you have two people in a home and one of them thinks you ought to do it this way and one of them thinks you ought to do it this way, guess what's going to happen? Guess who's going to get in a fight? And guess, if you have smart enough kids, guess what the kids are going to do? They're going to play you one against the other. Right, Paul? Because that's what he did. Because we weren't there. We didn't do that, and he played us. And he got me in trouble so many times. I can't tell you how many times. He got me grounded. I, I can remember and he, doing something he just like that. I did something just like that. I, I, I got in trouble in kindergarten, 
and I was supposed to get a spanking because I I had acted up. But I come home and I'm like, Mom, please spank me. Mom, please spank me. I don't need dad to spank me. You spank me. Yeah. So what's another one? Religion, kids, what's money. another one? Money. money. How do you what do you do with money? You have two bank accounts, you have two people saying, Hey, this is my job, this is my stuff, this is my money. Nuh-uh. No, it never works that way. It never works. All right? And what's the last one? In-laws. In-laws. If you can't get a handle on your in-laws, if you can't see eye to eye when it comes to, you know, and I told you, I had a real problem with my mom. My mom and my wife didn't get along. They didn't. Man, it's, my wife's a strong-willed woman, and my wife's trying to dominate, and there was one thing you weren't going to do to my wife, you are not going to dominate my wife. Not going to happen. You don't, especially you don't come into our house and try to dominate my wife. Oh, oh, you know, mom, you need to go back to San Antonio because this is not going to go well for you. I've been on the receiving end of this. This doesn't go well. You know, and it didn't go well. It didn't go well. Yeah, because because we didn't have a, and that was my fault because we had not come to an agreement. I could have, should have went to my mother and said, you need to back off. This is my house. You need to go home. I should have done that. She had to do it. She had to run my mother off. You know? Guess what happened after that happened? What do you think happened? Didn't go well for a while. Because we didn't have a handle on this stuff. You get a handle on these things, and what happens? Guys, you know, we're going to finish this up next week. I'm going to finish this, the last of this here, and we're going to review this. I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to review this. I think, I think you guys need to hear this over and over and over. All right? Remember, there are lousy relationships out there in the world. We expect that. I don't expect them to be in the church. I expect us to know better. Yeah, Larry. The first line in verse 32. Uh-huh. This is profound. Mystery. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. We're going to get, because I'm going to go all the way through verse 33. So we're going to look at that. Now, guys, guys, go read go read chapter 5 and, and start in where it talks in verse 21 and read through the end of the chapter. You know, when I said, when we tell them, did, this is not, did not we take you here, Jared? We, when Cole and I sat down and talked to you, we, we studied this text, didn't we? The wise part, because we were just studying with you. We studied the, the husband's part, you know, at length, you know, about this. But, you know, go do that, all right? And, and lady, go back and read, all of you, go back and read 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, and then go read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through the end of the chapter, all right? We'll see you next week. We'll finish this up next week.